What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam Solo today, and I needed to get on here and share some Yankee thoughts with everyone because uh, things in Yankee world are no good. They get swept by the Boston Red Sox in an embarrassing fashion this weekend. Uh, I heard a couple podcasts say that their Father's Day was ruined by the New York Yankees, and that one, uh, <laughs> if you're a father, that one definitely hurt for sure, but definitely had some thoughts. Um, you know, I think the best way to do this, and you know, I keep hearing people getting into uh, fire this person, fire Cashman, start breaking down previous moves, looking at future moves. I'm not going to get into that. I think that that's um, you know, it's very baseball is a marathon, not a sprint, right? And obviously, yeah, this is a this is a tough spot for the Yankees, and I think some of my words will definitely shed some light on you know where my mind is with the Yankees. But I, I don't think that you know. I'm over that. I don't. I don't believe in calling for people's jobs, and you know, especially in on teams that are you know have have ring sites, rings in their sight. You know, I, I think that the the best thing to do is really to look at the micro level. I you know I want to look at what's going on in the field, and before I start blaming anyone, you know, why don't we see what's more so there to fix, right? Like what is there the Yankees are doing that you know just isn't isn't working right now, or you know what's a trend that I don't like, or something that I've been seeing with. Whether it's some statistic, the eye test, uh, I I try to watch every single game I can. I I think I've missed maybe three or four this entire year, um, and I just think that I have a good insight for the game. So I'm going to focus on the micro level right now, just what's going on in the field. Um, I'll get into more macro stuff as you know the trade deadline comes around, or of course you know if anything uh, out of the ordinary happens, you know. Uh, and maybe the fans get what they wish for and Boone gets fired next week and me and McFeely are on here talking about the new manager of the New York Yankees. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't want to waste my time talking about it right now. So, but let's focus on the field. And right now I'm going to go, I think the easiest way to do this is let's just go across the diamond. Um, I'm going to leave the catchers out of this and they'll be my starting point because I think that of all the positions, the Yankees are very good at the catching position. I, I really believe that the the whole Gary Sanchez situation, uh, you know, kind of not having a real catcher, more so a hitter during those years, really made the Yankees, you know, put the maybe it's the the calculators to work or the put the nerds behind the the analytics to work, and they, I really think the Yankees have somewhat pioneered uh, the way of the catching position. You know, we a lot of people I remember when Gary Sanchez was down on one knee catching regular, you know, o two pitches. People are like, what is this guy doing? He doesn't even know how to catch. And now everyone in the league is doing it. And I think that uh, Trevino and Higgy are just reflections of that. I think the Yankees have, you know, kind of sold out on the idea of an offensive catcher. And they, they're they big into, you know, the run-saved category. And, and the getting even more micro there, the, you know, pitch framing is the biggest thing in the, of, in the catching world, not only just the Yankee catching world. But I think that Higgy and Trevino are probably one of, if not the best, you know, catching duo in the entire league, all things considered. Higgy, I think in the last like week or so, is batting, or last, you know, I think maybe since June or end of May, batting like 400. Uh, I, you know, the catchers of all the positions on the field this entire year, I am the least bit concerned uh, about the catching position. So I'm going to leave them off. I think they're fine. They've done, they've uh, played to the back of their baseball card. They've done even more so. They've saved the pitchers, uh, some strikes here and there, some balls here and there. Um, Higgy did have the catcher's interference uh, last night, which kind of added to the snowball effect of that game. But uh, nonetheless, I think, you know, 
couple things here, a couple things there. That's baseball, but I think they have been very impressive. Let's start with Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo, since injuring his neck, he just hasn't been good. Uh, he's not hitting his weight since then. Uh, but with Rizzo and I think only a few guys in the entire Yankee lineup I feel this way about, I still feel like he's good enough to figure it out. And I think that offensively, yeah, like, you know, think about it. You injure your neck. Uh, as someone, a guy like Rizzo standing on top of the plate, uh, a veteran, you know, somewhat older guy, he, you know, injuring your neck is probably a big deal. You're constantly moving your neck to swing, constantly moving your neck to check, you know, the runners, the, the position players where their position, especially a guy like Rizzo, you can even see his eyes working. Um, my concern with the Rizzo is more so on the defensive side. And I think it's has really nothing to do with the neck injury, but, and I can't really pinpoint, you know, why? Like, I, there's no statistic. His errors aren't up. Outs above average. Everything seems to be, you know, on par. But he just has some, some like, strange plays that he's making. And I think, you know, if, if I had to, you know, really give a reason for it, I think he's just one of those guys that might be just trying to do too much, right? Like, so, for instance, Matt Crook starts the other day. And, you know, infield position, normal, uh, normal depth, you know, nothing, not double play. Rizzo wasn't holding anyone on. And there's a ground ball, I promise you, point blank to Glaber Torres to the right. And Rizzo, mind you, there's a rookie on the mound. He's making, you know, I, I think it was his first start, if not one of his first starts. Uh, rookie on the mound. And I think there was even a guy maybe on second. I think that's why the, the infield was back. And Rizzo goes to point blank second base to get the ball. Looks up after fielding the ball. And you can just tell him and Matt Crook looked at each other and... They just you just knew the play was not happening. I think we ended up with runners on the corners. Um, one thing leads to another. Uh, I think there was another single right after that, or some sort of uh, maybe like an infield single or something. Bases loaded. One hitter later, grand slam, and that's the game's over right there. Uh, felt bad for Matt Crook. Just a terrible game, right? And I think that you know there's been little things all year, whether it's his base running or just even like. You know, I, I see, you know, a hole in his swing is a hard fastball. If you throw Rizzo a hard fastball up right now, it's a strike or an out regardless of, you know, where you are in the order. Because he, he I don't know if it's his bat speed that's taking a hit, but he's just not getting to it. As for Glaber Torres, sorry, I had to take a little water break there. As for second base, I'm going to go to Glaber Torres because I've been uh, pretty critical of him lately. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I don't know how else to say this. I'm kind of just reading off my notes, but Glaber Torres is not Robinson Cano. Uh, he will never be Robinson Cano, and no matter if Glaber takes double the amount of steroids that Cano took in his career, he will still not be as good as Cano. And, you know, to Glaber Torres, just stop trying to be someone you're not. You're a good player, right? You're a streaky hitter. You're a good average defensive baseman, uh, and give great pop. You've hit, I think there's been a season where you've hit, you know, 25, 30 home runs in a year, right? Don't try and be the guy that is, you know, the nonchalant star, I like to call, right? Like, again, you're not going to be Cano. Cano is one of the best fielders and best hitters we've ever seen at a second base position, ever. And, like, I, you know, part of me wants to, this is not a fully on Glaber. This is on, I think, when, if Glaber goes, you know, 0 for his next 20, I'm not going to blame Boone for that, right? That's on Glaber. But if Glaber's making bonehead plays and constantly looking lackadaisical and constantly, you know, just trying to be the cool guy and wanting like to make plays look cool. Uh, ask Glaber Torres how cool that looks from the bench, really, because if you're if if you're at the MLB level on a championship contender, stuff like you know just totally throwing the ball over the 
or just totally not even getting the ball from a relay and then ultimately causing a run, that's that's unacceptable. That that baseball is lazy and totally unacceptable. And I you know I can't say it enough. Um, the only thing is, and I think really the only reason that nothing has come of this, uh, I guess discipline wise, he's Glaber's been you know the one of the more consistent hitters on this, this team the entire year. He's batting about 260, 270. You know, every time you look up, it fluctuates. But you can kind of pencil him in for a, about a hit a game right now. He's doing been very well. But I think the problem with him, and like a lot of Yankees and kind of like the entire Yankee team, they're just, like, consistently streaky, right? Like, they're not going to get you uh, – they're not going to go, like, a whole series with a hit. Or they're not going to go a whole, you know, three games in a row with a hit or four games in a row with a hit. They'll go two games with a hit. Uh, a game with two hits, and then three games with no hits, and then a game with two hits, and, and like just it's consistent. It looks consistent number wise, and average wise, and OPS wise, and all the numbers. But if you watch the games, you know you can just tell Glaber sometimes just has games sometimes where he's just not there, right? Like, and you can kind of tell very early on with him that he is sometimes he's just not there. And um, you know, I again I have full confidence in Glaber. I think that. Will they trade him possibly? Maybe. Uh, you know, they, if they can get the good deal for him, if they deem his value is, like, you know, super up. Uh, but I remember last year that there was stories that he almost got traded, like very close to being traded to the Marlins. Uh, so the Yankees have dangled him out there before. Um, interesting to be seen there. But I think right now, if the Yankees were to trade Glaber Torres, they're essentially trading away one of their more – or one of their best hitters on the team right now, especially with no judge. Point blank. He, he might be – the best hitter on the Yankees right now outside of if you really believe in Jake Powers, if you really believe in Billy McKinney, uh, he really might be the best hitter on the Yankees right now. And it's it's kind of uh, a rough place to be. Um, next, uh, you know, sticking with second base. And there's a reason I'm going to say this next guy for second base, DJ LeMahieu, right? And let's face it, he's not what the Yankees signed him to be. He's not, uh, and I think both sides of the ball. I think that, you know, he... He's not what he used to be on offense, not what he's used to be on defense. And, you know, everyone's going to point to his his um, his uh, offensive statistics as, like, the biggest problem. But if you've watched DJ on defense in the past, you know, couple months, you know, everyone thought he came into the year fully healthy. But let's think about this for a second. He His big injuries were toe surgery. He I believe he had some sort of surgery on his toe, which, was, which is why he missed the playoffs last year. And core injury. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge the listener right now, right? If you're, if you can, obviously, you know, if you're at work or whatever, don't do this. But if you can, get up, stretch, stand up, and just pretend to field a ground ball as if you're at third base for the New York Yankees, and then make a try and make a you know a mock throw to first without using without without putting a hundred percent pressure on your core and your toe at the same time. I'll bet you you can't do it. And I think that's the problem with DJ. I I really think that he's not a hundred percent, and not that you know, not that he's you know, 100% relatively to him. Like, he's in, in playable shape. Uh, he's not, like, you know, he's not limping. He's not visibly hurt, you know, per se. But I think that it just, like, a, almost like a mental block now where, he again, he's injured his core. He's injured his toe. The core is, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure your core muscle is one of, if not the biggest muscle in your entire body. So to have surgery in that and then expect you to fully ramp up instantly and be back to where you were, I don't know if that really happens, to be honest. And I, you know, I think what I'm trying to say here is I can't see him at third base anymore. He he looks like he throws weak. He looks like he moves slow. Um, I wouldn't hate him at second if he could hit. But and then that leads me to his hitting, right? And he, 
or even first base. You know, platoon him at first with, with Rizzo if you feel like Rizzo needs to DH or needs a day off. Or, oh, my God, God forbid you put Stanton in the outfield and could DH DJ LeMay, who, you know, once a week. God forbid. I'll get to that later. But now let's focus on his offense because, look, again, he's recovering from injury now. This is, I think, the second year in a row that he's had some sort of injury recovery going into the year, right? And he swore he was healthy, got the right surgeries at the right time. The Yankees were fully on board. I'm pretty sure he had a good spring. But he's 34 years old, going to be 35 in mid-July. And all his offensive numbers have been consistently dropping from when he hit 364 and 220 with a 1.0 OPS. And look, I don't want to I don't want to see like I don't want to seem like the guy who's, you know, I'm I'm not this is not me asking for them to be traded, right? This is not me asking for them or you know, ripping Cashman. This is this is a pure game one-to-one evaluation of these guys and where they're at right now. And look, I don't believe in war as a, as like the end-all be-all in, in baseball discussions. I think there's much more to it than the numbers. Although, I think you can be a big number guy and also understand that there's much more to it than just the numbers. Rafael Devers, if you look at his statistics against the Yankees, they don't pop off the board, right? They're nothing really outrageously crazy. Maybe some good power numbers, but every time Rafael Devers plays the Yankees, uh, he, you can pencil him in for a hit. Guaranteed, I would I would, you know, almost bet my life every time that he's at the plate that he will get a hit. Just happens. Can't quantify it. Don't know why. Just is. And, you know, I think trying to, you know, tying back to DJ's injuries, maybe that's the reason I see it. Maybe there's some mechanical issue in his swing that I'm just missing. But, again, getting back to his war, 6.0 in, in 2019, 2.9 in 20, 1.5 in 21, 3.9 last year, right, in, in 2022. Awesome. Played well. But he missed the playoffs with a, with a toe injury. Boom. Has to get toe surgery. And now he's at a .3 war this year. .3. That is that is astonishingly bad for someone that won a batting title in this league, right? And uh, that's kind of going to lead me into my next guy, who I'm I'm going to I'm going to rip. Honestly, I'm just going to rip into him. Uh, we're going to get to jo- I'm going to go to Josh Donaldson next, third base. Um, it, right now, he's like really the. Other than IKF, who, you know, spoiler alert, I, I think if I was making the, the lineup tomorrow, uh, I, I'm i putting IKF at third because they it, – it's it's gotten bad. The third base position is, is, is really weak. And, you know, here's my thing with Donaldson. Well, I mean, what can you – like, what do you say, right? Like, it's – I've had enough of the – how much money he makes – uh, he's, it's terrible. I mean, he, the only thing saving him from being in the, in the Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon conversation with, you know, just a bunch of miserable contracts is the fact that, you know, it's almost over for Donaldson. There's light at the end of the tunnel for the, the end of this Donaldson tenure. Right. Um, and you know, just doing some deep digging into Donaldson, it's, it gets worse and worse the deeper you dig because they, it it's like, it's reached a point of, not just, you know, uh, he's a detriment now. He, I mean, he really is, right? Now, I, I, I did some some digging, and I found some very uh, very interesting, we'll say, little tidbits, right? So Josh Donaldson in his Yankee career, right? He has only eight more home runs in his career than he has double plays grounded into. Might not seem like a lot, but that's crazy, right? That That's like, you know, he all the while hitting sub 200 his entire tenure. It's It's bad. Um, of his uh, his career, right? So getting deeper into some statistics. If you're not a statistic person, you could skip about 15, 
30 seconds, 45 seconds or so. His at-bats per home run of his career is 18. So every 18 at-bats, he hits a home run. Since joining the Yankees, that number has jumped up to 25. Oh, and again, while hitting 186 during that same span and posting not only one year, but two years worth of the worst OPS in his entire career since he had a 32-game rookie season with the Athletics. That is bad, right? That he just that is just falling off a cliff. <laughs> I don't know what else to say it. He has fallen off a cliff. And look, I, uh, Josh Donaldson pissed me off so much. I'm going to pile on more. Let's think. Let's dig a little deeper. Who did the Yankees send away for Josh Donaldson? He was away for that. The they wanted to get rid of Gary Sanchez. They attached Gio Urshela to him. Gio Urshela, Gio Urshela, excuse me, and Gary Sanchez. Gio caveat: He just landed on the IL. Actually, some weird like off field injury. Um, nonetheless, was hitting 299. That would make him the highest with the Yankee with the highest average if he was still on the team in 62 games of his year of this year, making a fourth of Donaldson's money this year. Oh, and the other guy, right? Gary Sanchez. Not that they play the same position, right? Different, obviously. But since joining the Padres, right, only 20 games is an 800 OPS, and that 800 OPS would be almost a hundred points higher than Josh Donaldson's best OPS as a Yankee. Look, you can you can trust him. You can say he's a former MVP. You can like the way he plays. You like the way he plays with fire. Regardless of what happens, if Josh Donaldson is on the, this 40-man roster at the end of the year, not cutting that tie will make this the worst move of Cashman's entire tenure with the New York Yankees. And I really believe that. It is, you know, sometimes it's, you learn about like opportunity costs, right? Like how much getting one thing uh, can take away from another. And there's $25 million back-to-back years for a guy that's going to hit you sub 200 and not even play every day and, and post the worst statistics of his career. Look, man, I'm not calling for anyone's job. I'm not going to say Cashman needs to be fired. That's a bad one, and he's yet to own up to it. you got to own up to that, Cashman. Look, sorry, you do. Um, I won't rip into Donaldson anymore, although it's very easy. Uh, shortstop, right? Look, Volpe, it's old. I- I'm over, you know, ripping him. He looks overmatched, right? And that, my grandpa can't even see the ball when he's pitched. Like, I'll go to his, his house while he's a Met fan. We'll watch some, you know, game uh, here and there. And he literally can't even see. He'll ask me, where was that? Where was that? Where was that about the pitch? And I'm going to echo, those are his words. His words telling me that Volpe looks overmatched. And I'm going to echo them because, I, you know, he's, you don't need, I think my grandpa's, you know, the living proof that you don't need two 20-20 vision eyes to see that he is overmatched at the plate. And, like, in, it's it's disappointing because in a year that, you know, the Yankees are really supposed to contend, right, where forget the championships, not championship thing, like forget the whole dynasty idea of it. it it's, you know, I'm not calling this the end of his career, right, but you cannot have an anchor at your shortstop position if you're the Yankees. But, look, at this point, if you're okay with sending us Waldo up and down multiple times, has where and why has Volpe earned enough credit for that to be off the table? Like, I'm sorry, is Peraza the answer? I don't know, right? But this is when the front office and the the on-field management, whether that be Boone, uh, some sort of you know hitting coach, fielding coach, whatever, really needs to like work with one another and look at themselves in the mirror and and say like, look, like this is not the end of your career, man. Like Jeter got sent down. Bernie got sent down. Everyone gets sent down earlier in their career. It's it's a tough league. The, the, the cat's out of the bag. Sorry, Volpe. It's a tough league, right? But 
right now the trade deadline is uh, you know only a few weeks away, and I'm and I'm not I'm not you know advocating for them to go out and make some crazy shortstop splash and bury Volpe in the back, but simple enough. Tell Volpe, look, we're gonna call it Peraza. We we're back at square one. You won the the job at spring training, and look, win it again, and we will see you soon enough. Because look, Peraza got hot in spring training, cooled off a little bit, but he started a playoff game at short. Peraza, he started a playoff game at short. Give him a fucking week at shortstop and just see what he can do. And if look, if that bothers Volpe so much and totally derails his career and totally, you know, he requests a trade, God forbid, or, you know, you just hear murmurs that he's not happy. Look, man, I, I hate to be this guy. Sorry to all you, you know, Jersey, Italian, Yankee fans. Maybe he's just not the guy mentally. Maybe he isn't. And I'm not saying he is or isn't, but if if you can't, if you can't, you know, hold every player to similar uh, standards and you give extra leashes here and extra give there, I, you know, that's not a, that's not uh, a well-run organization. And look, the, let's be honest, the Yankees are in the, the, the championship business, right? They're not the athletics. They're not the, uh, you know, the guardians. They're not the, you know, name any, you know, random team that, that scratches for the playoffs every year. They are not in the storybook writing business. They are here to win championships. And look, Volpe was a great story, and he very well could be, and I root for him to be a great story. But look, here's a little secret, Yankees. The best stories don't come from the success of one guy on a shit team. They come from the team that wins the championship, that wins. The team that wins and has the individuals with the cool stories. And guess what? Multiple individuals and multiple cool stories and multiple things to work for all leading to one goal is how you build a team. You don't build a team and say, all right, you eight guys can go. You guys, you know, if you guys don't do this, we're going to bring up your replacement. But that guy, even though, you know, he hasn't done anything here, you know, think about this conversation, right? How do you look at a guy like Josh Donaldson or not even Josh Donaldson? How do you look at a guy like Aaron Hicks, right? Distinguished veteran in the league, obviously hitting, you know, well below all his numbers. You cut him, you lose money, but you can move Volpe down for free, not lose him, still under your control, really no skin off your back, and you won't do it. That's not that doesn't seem like a, a strange run organization to you. I, look, I, I they gave Volpe a lot of leash, right? I think they're going to give him to the All Star break to figure it out. Maybe after the All Star break, they you know they can pivot somewhere. But it's I'm concerned, and I've been concerned for a while. Um, and that's really infield. Uh, let's move to the outfield now. And I don't, to be honest, it's tough to evaluate, right? Cause judge is out cats out of the bag. Uh, the, the Yankees are not good without the best player in the league. Shocker. Um, but in the outfield is really taking a, a hit. He's a gold glove defender in right field. It's, you know, it, I, I even think he's even better than that. I think eventually one day he'll win, you know, platinum gloves and he'll have multiple gold gloves. And I think he's an amazing right fielder. And it's a ripple effect again. And then not only that, now Bader was injury prone coming back on Tuesday. Um, and he's got, unfortunately, Bader just has that label now. Uh, hopefully he comes back Tuesday, gives them a jolt, um, helps pitching staff. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but, you know, just stay available. And look, let's be honest. And, you know, some Yankee fans, especially some older ones, it can be hard to explain like something to my dad about this. But, you know, if he's if Bader's not going 120 miles an hour down the first base line in a mid-June game against the Athletics uh, on like a ground ball to, to shortstop, 
to save him, you know, three to save him a ten day IL stint, that's fine with me, right? Like, make it right. I want you. To, I want to. Sometimes the best ability is availability, and with Bader, you know, if you're gonna, I'd almost take just his defense at this point. Forget his bat, right? Obviously, his bat hopefully again can provide a jolt, but. His defense is so good that that's really his his cornerstone to this team. Anything on top of that gold glove defense is just ancillary at that point. Um, uh, Billy McKinney, fun. Yankees like him. Uh, they got to ride out the flame, right? Like, let him play every day. We're not going to – you're not – if I see Billy McKinney has – if I see Billy McKinney have a day off in the next, like, week or so just cause, that's ridiculous. Right out his flame. He's a warm body with MLB experience, plays multiple positions. He cannot be a detriment to this team right now. He is a, you know, he's not like a, a he's not going to be batting fourth or third, hopefully. But he's, a, again, he's a warm body with MLB experience. And right now, I think that's better than your average Yankee, unfortunately. Um, Jake Bowers, big fan, big swing path guy. Very good at analytic numbers. Slept on base runner, I think, actually. Actually, he stole a base in the Red Sox series, and I don't even think it was really close. Uh, he's got good instincts. Uh, he's, he looks you know, he looks the part. He he looks comfortable in the batter's box. Uh, he's not a natural outfielder, and he's made some bad plays. He got a really tough assignment in uh, a really tough outfield in Boston. I think, you know, a lot of these green monster balls. Like, you know, Imagine if I threw any one of our listeners out there uh, myself included, into Fenway left field and th- just threw the ball off the green monster, I bet you nine out of ten times I don't field it correctly. It's it's a tough thing to do, perhaps one of the toughest things in all of, all of the game. Um, but I like him. He's a lefty. Uh, lefty in Yankee Stadium, always a plus. We've seen him at first base when Rizzo was hurt, looked fine. Um, he's he's just another great DH, <laughs> realistically. Right now he, he should be the Yankees' DH. Uh I'll foreshadow there. I'm going to leave that little statement there. And just like McKinney, uh, he's going to let's just ride out the flame. Hopefully, it's not a flame, right? Hopefully, he's a guy that the Yankees have actually invested in and worked with, um, and can kind of get to a more consistent place. Um, another one, Willie Calhoun. Uh, he's a warm body with MLB experience. He can switch hit. Good guy to have on every team. I that those are my, just my straight notes. He's not an outfielder. He's another DH. Does he? Ha- can he? Is his position by trade outfield? Sure. You know, so is Nelson Cruz, right? But he he's not playing the outfield. He's a DH, right? That's just what he is. Uh, unfortunately, that's just where he the Yankees really just need him. He plays out of necessity, and that's you never want anyone playing positions out of necessity. That's like a cornerstone to baseball. Um, uh, IKF next outfielder. I'll call him an outfielder for now. Um, although. I you know my I'll give my lineup to end out the episode here, but he's my starting third baseman on my my you know quote unquote best lineup right now. Um, you know of all the negative last year, all the negative going into this year, my I respect the shit out of IKF. Right, he easily could have you know put his head down. He could have did the Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks put his head down, sulked, made some strange comments uh, in his post game. IKF answers every question. Has always answered every question. Stood by his locker at the end of games. Faced the reporters, and I respect the shit out of that. And I think you know his numbers are, aren't jumping off the page. He's not, not doing anything out of the ordinary, but he's playing to the back of his baseball card. And look, let's be real. Like if if everyone on the Yankees played to the back of their baseball card, they might be the best team in baseball. The problem is they're not. Um, but he, he is what he is. Again, plays to the back of his baseball card. 
puts the ball in play, right? Like he's it's kind of cliche and you know, maybe like a little old school, but sometimes that that'll work, especially you know if if every if every Yankee put the ball in play, you know, like IKF did or does in this series against the Red Sox, who are a really bad defensive team this year. You know, you might run into a couple errors. One error leads to another, to a grand slam, like we saw with the Yankees or, or against the Yankees with the Red Sox in the exact same series. You just never know. And I think that IKF, uh, with the ability to play multiple positions of the infield, the, the the catching ability, which somehow, strangely, the Yankees just absolutely adore about him. Um, and then now he looks really comfortable in the outfield. He, does he have a strong arm? No, but he's got good speed, steals a couple bases, doesn't strike out. I found this kind of interesting while doing some digging. Uh, this year, in almost double the at-bats, IKF has. IKF has double the at-bats of Giancarlo Stanton. IKF only has two more strikeouts than Stanton. That's crazy. Like, So, I don't know the exact numbers. Let's say IKF has 100 at-bats, Stanton 50, 25 Stanton strikeouts to 27 IKF strikeouts. Those are just rough numbers. But that's pretty impressive. And, you know, you bat that guy... Uh, kind of getting deeper into my lineup thoughts, but if you put IKF, you know, behind a uh, very much very high on base guy like Judge or you know, even Jake Bowers has been leading off looking very well, uh, looking very good. Put him behind there. You figure single IKF ground ball, uh, and then at the least you got a man on first with one out, or a man on first, or a man on second with one out for the middle of your order. That's a that's a winning recipe to me and. You know, every now and then IKF can wrap a double. Every now and then IKF can hit a single, and then you face the meat of the order. I think you know one one of my big you know cornerstones is I, I like the the two hitter to be your best contact guy. I think that the the Jeter Yankees did that, and it was a very good formula for them for many years. And I think that uh, your two hitter, a lot of people think should be your best hitter. Three hitter, I'm I'm a big believer should be your best hitter. So I'll I'll leave it there for uh, my lineup discussion. And now, I guess my last, you know, really, really big point, per se, uh, about the offense is, you know, the the uh, elephant in the room here right now is Stan. And look, I, I love Stan, right? And I think that I, I'm such a fan of a lot of, like, underlying things that Stan has, right? the He's a humble star. He's, you know, he's quiet. You don't really see him going loud and crazy on the field. Uh, he's not really like a, a vocal leader per se. You don't see him yelling at guys. He's always jogs on the field, jogs off, strikes out, looks up at the scoreboard, see the pitch, right into the dugout. No, you know, he'll, he'll look at his home runs, he'll admire them, sure, but it's not over the top. He's a very, uh, he's, I, I'm just a fan of someone uh, of someone like that. And then he also was just the Yankees' best hitter in the big moments, uh, you know, historically. Uh, and again, another thing I'm just a big fan of. But look. Let's be honest, the Yankees did not trade for Giancarlo Stanton in the DH. They traded for Giancarlo Stanton in the outfielder, and so long as he's just the DH and won't play the outfield, he's a roster clogger. He really is, you know, especially when he's not performing like right now. Because what are you going to do, bench Stanton? If you bench Stanton and bench Donaldson one day, that's about, that's about $50 million on your bench. That's not ever good. Um, now, look, uh, everyone's going to be concerned about his at-bats and how he's looked since returning. And remember, he didn't do any rehab assignments. He said, fuck that, throw me in the fire, and I can respect that. And look, I, criticize me for this. I hope someone hears this and says, Sam, you're an idiot. Uh, 
I'm going to ride with Stan and bank on us looking at his numbers in August and saying, you know, something like, damn, when did Stan hit that many home runs? Or, damn, when did Stan get up to, you know, 250? I thought he was like a 140 hitter earlier, but whatever. I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to ride with him. And, you know, more so what bothers me with Stan, and, again, I can't really pinpoint if this is a, a Stan thing, front office thing, uh, a Boone thing, but the babying of the outfield is is really just – it's gotten to points where I can't, I can't like wrap my mind around it. it. Doesn't it doesn't really make sense to me, right? And I'm all for player preservation. Like, uh, you know, if if you can, if you DH for three, three, four times a week so that you can play an extra three years of your career and your knees don't give out at the end of your contract, I'm for it. But man, in a championship year when you're, you know, look, when you're back and quote unquote healthy, get the fuck out there if your team needs you. Like, I don't know, I don't know if that's, again, I don't know if that's on him or the training staff or whatever, but you're telling me he can't play two times a week in the outfield? Two. That's, you know, I'll ask twice a week. I think it should be more, I think it should be more like four times a week. They play six games a week, two DH, four in the outfield, stagger them. I don't think that's a crazy ask. That is crazy. Two times. Play the first game of the first series, middle game of the second series, every single week. <laughs> I is that a cra- I'm sorry if that's a crazy ask, but that is, uh, to me, I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't know why that doesn't happen. Uh, they said that if they if the game didn't get rained out the other night, that he would have played the outfield. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> really, uh, it's you know when when I say he's a roster clogger, you know when when he's a DH and and he's struggling, he provides nothing to this team. Not not a single thing. Right, he. He, again, he doesn't play. He doesn't play defense. So, how? What is he providing? A one forty hitter in the DH spot? That's pretty much an automatic out. Um, but you know, I guess I don't. I'm not going to get into any moves. I think they'll make. Uh, that's really just my big offensive kind of breakdown of the Yankees. Uh, I'll give you my quick my lineup, my ideal lineup right now. I think. Um, again, Judge is out. Uh, I'm going to go Jake Bowers. I'll. I'll stick with him in right until he's, you know, absolutely abysmal out there. Uh, and as, as long as his offensive numbers are up, he's have, having good at-bats. I think he had, like, three full counts yesterday from the leadoff spot. Let off the game, I think, two games in a row with a, a double and a single. I like him in the leadoff spot as a lefty. And then brings me to my next point. Put IKF there, right? Put IKF at two right now and just tell him, you know, at the least, at the very least, you know, just make contact. Put pressure on the defense early. Uh, you know, maybe once in a while you run into a, a single and a stolen base or a double or, uh, you know, something that the, to get the hitter or the pitcher to think a little bit or feel a little pressure. Like, I think sometimes, you know, when you see these Yankees go down and get mowed down, one, two, three, one, two, three, you know, there's just no fight there. It's all just it's all just swinging for the fences in the first inning, trying to get the big hit. Sometimes it works. Glaber hits a two-run home run yesterday, or in the first game yesterday. That was the only run they scored. So I don't know how much it really worked. I think putting IKF up at the the top of the order, number two, uh, would be very beneficial to this team. Um, and look, here's the position thing: put him at third. Yeah, look, I'm I'm over the Donaldson thing. He provides nothing on offense. Sure, he might be a better defender than he might be the best defender. But IKF's got a Gold Glove there too. And so far, I think you know we we spoke about earning, or I spoke about earning things, right, and credibility with Volpe. To me, the credibility and the you know, talking about earning, I think IKF has earned this a spot to prove himself as the third baseman, right? 
Why not? What do you have to lose, right? At the worst, you know, if, if he makes an error or something, Thompson made an error the other day. DJ made an error the other day. That couldn't be IKF, right? That couldn't open up another spot in the outfield. I digress. Uh, so IK, Bowers right field, IKF third, um, Rizzo first. I like Rizzo three. Uh, Yankees love the lefty-righty lefty. Again, I, I think Rizzo will be able to figure it out. Um, Stan, left field, twice a week. Fine, we just spoke about Stan. Don't need to go over him too much. Um, Glaber, second base right after Stan. I think that provides a nice little, some protection to Stan a little bit. He might get some better pitches. Again, Glaber, probably the best, most consistent hitter on the Yankees this year. Or, I mean, as of right now. Um, Rizzo, maybe Rizzo, obviously, Judge. But, you know, post-Rizzo injury, post-Stanton injury, Glaber has, is the most consistent hitter. And put him at five, square in the middle of the order. Um, I like that a lot. Next, that's where Bader goes, right? Get Bader there. Um, it provides some pop there, uh, some some late, you know, speed on the bases. And I think that, you know, putting Bader before the, the last three here, I think does two things. One, his speed is a threat if he gets on the base, right? And he... You know, it, let's just say you get to a leadoff, uh, a leadoff single from Harrison Bader, right? Then following is seven, eight, nine in the order. You know, you can ask any pitcher. Pitching with a guy on first with speed is a lot different than pitching with no one on. In any situation, it sounds stupid, but you know, these are like little things about lineup making that you got to think about a little bit. You know, help out. Some a lot of people will fall in love with you know protection behind a hitter, right? Like you know, people like to have a hot Giancarlo Stanton or a hot Rizzo behind Judge. But sometimes you can kind of work the opposite of that, where you put your speed guys up before some of your contact guys, and you can just get stuff moving if those guys get on base. And not for nothing, Bader's hit every time he's been healthy. Um, so get Bader there. So, so far we got Bowers in right, IKF at third, Rizzo at first, Stanton in left, Glaber at second, um, Bader in center. Uh, and then uh, this is where I like Willie Calhoun, DH Willie Calhoun. I think you know having a switch hitting DH is so big, especially in the Yankees. Love that the lefty versus righty, righty versus lefty matchups, especially in those situations where a guy like Calhoun will most all, well not most he will always have the positive matchup as a switch hitter. Get him down the bottom there, and you know again kind of piggybacking on the the Bader at uh, at six theory. Um, Get Bader there. If you, you let's just say Bader's on first with you know at zero outs, uh, one out, and Calhoun's up. Now you find yourself in a position of we have a plus matchup on base or at uh, at the plate with Calhoun versus as a switch hitter, and then a speedster on the bases. The you know I think that's compounding little things like that is what is what gives you little edges, and I think that that's very smart. Would be very smart of the Yankees. So Calhoun DHing at seven. Trevino's uh, eight to catch. And then, look, as long as Volpe's a shortstop, I, I just said, you know, I wouldn't hate a Peraza switch. We could just say Peraza or Volpe. I like Volpe nine. Uh, just, you know, again, if if he gets on, you know, he's got about a, his, I think his on base plus slugging is, you know, probably in like the, the 200s. Um, or, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know what it is. Or the, the, Percentage chance he gets on base is really what I'm looking for. But whatever it is, one out of every, you know, uh, six at-bats or seven at-bats, whatever it is, that provides some help to the offense. Again, that's that reverse lineup thinking that I've been I've been kind of talking about where, you know, yeah, at the worst, Volpe's out, and then you get your at the top of the lineup. At the best, 
Volpe gets a single, steals second, and now you have the top of the lineup up with a guy in second, a speedy guy in second that can get in with just a single. Um, you know, I, I as far as the offense, you know, I would be lying if I said, you know, I'm not concerned, but it's, I think that there's, obviously you miss your MVP, and I think that, uh, you know, any team that would that would miss a, an MVP candidate on their team would obviously fail, but not this bad, and it's concerning. It really is. Um, so I think that, there's some tweaks that are going to be made. I, I don't know what they are. I just kind of outlined some of my thoughts about the offense. Um, and, again, kind of going to piggyback off it and not going to go too much longer here on this. But, uh, like I said, pitching, it's hard to judge right now. Uh, it's a lot of, like, a snowball effect I think is happening with, you know, they've had some recent struggles with two outs, uh, recent struggles with bullpen allowance of runs. Um, and I think it's a total correlation to, like, the shit defense that's behind them. Uh, and if you've ever been a pitcher and you've ever pitched where you know you guys you have just a bad defense behind you or like a, maybe a bad field where it's like impossible to field a ground ball, uh, you, you know you'll know what I mean. It's it's almost nearly impossible. And I think what the Yankees are running into now is they're putting so much on their pitchers to be perfect every time, and that they don't get uh, you know they don't fall into like a, a really tough play for their shortstop, a really tough play for their left fielder. Uh, that run, you know, pitching is. You can't be pitch perfect, for lack of a better term. Um, it's it's tough, but one pitcher I'll say that I you know I'm a huge Sevy fan. Uh, he's been a very big topic of discussion. I'd just like to share some of my thoughts on that. Um, kind of going against the grain here. Uh, I you know I haven't heard much of this today. I, you know I've listened to this podcast, that show, this guy's you know monologue about the Yankees. I thought Sevy has progressively been getting a little better every time, and I thought yesterday he actually looked. I thought he looked good. He just got into some bad luck. Um, kind of was taking some notes as I was watching the game. Um, Sevy in the first inning uh, strikes out Justin Turner, Yankee killer, on a gross two-seam uh, right inside of the hands that if he throws that pitch as a strikeout pitch to righties every time, he'll be a very successful player uh, pitcher. You know, uh, that's his bread and butter. The two-seam into a righty, slider away to a righty. Uh, change up in at the knees. That's where he's got to live. And then elevate the fastball with some speed, and that's where he's got to live. Uh, in the second inning, I thought he did that very well. Hit 98 a couple times with the fastball. Again, second inning, too. Sevy, you know, he's one of those guys that gets better as the game goes on. Uh, we've kind of seen that as, you know, his uh, his career has, has gone here. But he pitched well in the second. Uh, just two very good pieces of hitting. Again, like I said before, Rafael Devers owns the Yankees. Great piece of hitting by him and Kike. Double, single, run. Boom. That's it. You know, I thought Sevy made great pitches. They're just better offense. Uh, if you were watching the game, you know, maybe you disagree. Maybe he might have missed a spot or two here or there for a strike three. But uh, results-wise and kind of how I saw it, I thought they just made some – there was some good offense on him. And I don't think it was – it wasn't like a barrel. It wasn't a home run. Was, he's not giving up like no doubters. You know, these are, you know, doubles, sure. They hit the ball well, but they're good swings. They're good players. Um Third inning, I thought, was the the inning that he kind of started to show some warning signs. I thought his fastball kind of looked a little flat that inning. Maybe he kind of just, you know, realized that, all right, I'm in the third inning now. I can kind of get a little comfortable. Um, and I don't know, but he got out of it unscathed. You know, that was fine. Um, fourth inning, Verdugo, another Yankee killer, uh, hit, catcher's interference. They had, Red Sox don't score. They had back-to-back innings where they had bases loaded. Uh, first, third inning, he gets out of it. Fourth inning, catcher's interference, they score a run. Next guy, fly out. 
and that was your that's the run and you know ultimately the game really um uh, you know that's just bad luck i thought he he Sevy pitched some bad luck yesterday um fifth inning last inning uh this was the inning that kind of was of concern and kind of where my my whole theory of uh you know recovery and six man rotation or recovery post recovery post recovery i'll say uh kind of comes into fruition because i think he kind of lost his lost a little bit of his uh his composure there because his his speed was fine his all his numbers his uh spin rates everything looked okay in the fifth inning there yesterday but uh i just thought he kind of started to overthrow i think maybe boone or someone told him like look like unless this is a you know a, a 10 pitch inning most likely your last uh lead off walk i think he hit 98 like twice in that at bat infield single walk double uh really only his i thought his bad quote unquote bad inning um and then i don't want to sound like monday morning quarterback but uh, I thought that, you know, before Casas came up and the top of the order came up, I thought that, uh, you know, with an off day the next day and somewhat rest, you know, pretty rested bullpen there, I thought it would have been a good spot to pull Sevy there and kind of, you know, save him from, you know, let him look at the scoreboard and, and see, you know, five and two thirds with, uh, you know, the bullpen coming in and, and, you know, only giving up, I think, two, three runs at that point. You know, I thought that leaving him in for that extra hitter and then taking him out was, uh, or then, or actually, they let him finish the inning. But I thought that you know, if if we really, if the Yankees really wanted to kind of stop the bleeding there, they would have went. They should have went to the bullpen there a little early. Um, again, kind of looks like Monday morning quarterback for me, but I digress. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 tough. I, I'll say this, and just in closing, I just did forty five minutes of talking to myself. It's crazy. Um, overall, I'm concerned. Like, I, I Judge is not coming through the door anytime soon. I I don't think that they will be. I'm not expecting him before the All-Star break, if we're being honest. Uh, it's, you know, he got some positive notes, but I think the Yankees will look at that All-Star break and you know, they salivate over one day off. I can only imagine what they would do with, you know, four or five days off for, for Judge um, extra. Um, and, you know, I, I think this team is in, in, in a prime spot for a, a position of shakeup, uh, whether that be a trade, um, another, you know, kind of uh, a cut, I, you know, again, I, if I was, if I was, had, I had a say in the Yankees organization, um, it's, I think the Donaldson experiment's got to be over. You just got to bite the bullet there. Uh, you know, set the precedent, call up, call up Peraza for Donaldson, right? You know, put, that does two things. You you get rid of the Donaldson contract, the black cloud that's hanging over your team. You can call up Peraza and put some fire under Volpe. You may even have them both appear at the same time. Shit. Maybe see what Peraz can give you a third base because fuck it, why not, right? Um, but yeah, look, uh, maybe is it crazy to ask for you know maybe if they get some bad judge news and they that he's most definitely going to be out past the All Star break, uh, is it crazy to get some Dominguez hype up here? You know, just get him get his feet wet. We've seen some guys do that where maybe you know not calling him up and they're just calling him up for you know let's just see what we can do. This we're kind of at, at the at rock bottom right now. Can only go up from here. Uh, come play two weeks with us and let's just, you know, see how you are. And if we like you earn your spot. Um, but I'm concerned. Uh, you know, I, I, there's not much more to say. Uh, Matt, Matt will be on with me, uh, sometime probably this week. Uh, I believe he's actually in Houston watching the, uh, Houston Mets game right now. Um, we got some names to discuss as far as, uh, some sort of trades. We'll get into the Mets. Um, start talking about football soon enough. Uh, that's kind of on the uh, on the horizon for us. But 
Um, I'll leave it with this. Look, uh, as the end of the Yankee State of the Union, uh, kind of how he started it, I'm concerned. And I think that that is just uh, kind of the notion around Yankee land these days. So uh, if you made it to the end here, you're a real one. For Seriously, I appreciate you very much. Um, and hopefully either you learned a thing or two, or at least I could open your eyes to some of my thoughts on the game and what I see. Um, but as always, thank you for listening. Uh, very much appreciated always. And Matt and I will be back sometime this week, uh, hopefully with a little bit more of a positive vibe to the episode. So thank you very much and peace out.